0: Shaq here, spinning fast-acting pain relief for 2024 with Icy Hot. Take it from me. Sticking to your new workout routines can lead to sore muscles. Icy Hot starts working instantly to dull the pain with the icy cool sensation. Then, the warming sensation relaxes it away. Feel the power of Icy Hot's contrast therapy. Ice works fast. Heat makes it last. Icy Hot.
1: The best of Easter begins with a full Honey baked spread. Mm. It's the thing that brings flavor to all the fun and festivities. Ooh. The bites that make all your guests grateful that Easter's here a little early this year. Enjoy the sweet and crunchy glaze of Honey Bakes bone-in half ham, mouth-watering sides, and desserts. Mm. And make this year's Easter the best-tasting one yet. Cheers. Every bite is a celebration with the Honey Baked Ham Company.
0: and welcome to the Bunker Daily. I'm Jude Rogers. Beyond this day format, long used in newspapers, has been a punchy way of teaching people about history for many years. But which histories are being taught when this happens? Who is being forgotten? It may come as a jaw-dropping surprise to you but women's stories are often the ones left on the shelf the cutting room floor. Three female writers, Ailsa Holland, Jo Bell and Tanya Hirschman, noticed this, and got together to launch a much-needed corrective. In January 2018, On This Day She launched on Twitter, drip-feeding entries of female achievement into the blokey canon. Their project quickly spiralled. Ever since, On This Day She's daily posts have covered the achievements of women from all across the world and many periods of time. A different woman is featured every day, ideally not on her birthday or the day she died, but on a day that was important to her, the day she qualified as the first doctor in her country or patented her first invention, for example. Women aren't just portrayed as saints and heroes either. Darker stories are shared too, as they also deserve to be put back into the history books, the founders say. And now their efforts have been rewarded with a publication of a hefty 365-day paged and sized book, On This Day She, Putting Women Back Into History One Day at a Time, which comes out this week, published by John Blake. But what's it like to delve through the testosterone adult archives of history? What have been the biggest challenges and the biggest surprises? I'm delighted today to be speaking to Elsa, Jo and Tanya to find out. Hello to all of you and thanks for joining me. Hello. 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 So was there an initial specific impetus for On This Day She? Um, Was there perhaps an experience you'd had or something you'd noticed that pushed you to do it? Um, If I can ask you, Elsa, that. Yes, there was. um, Quite specifically, a calendar um, that... I was
2: given or my family was given as a, a Christmas present. So the calendar for 2017. Um, and it was an on this day in history calendar um, with a sheet for each day. So you could sort of tear off each day and there was another amazing thing. And um and I really liked it. Uh, I had but you know nothing against it from the start. But as I was going through and sort of tearing off each day, I began to realise, oh, I haven't heard anything about a woman. And as the year went on, this carried on. I collected the sheets that mentioned women, and there were only so few of them. Um, and when it got to October, I was having a, a day out at our local uh, treacle market here in Macclesfield with Joe and Tanya, and just chatting to them about it and saying, "This calendar is making me so cross. There, there are just no women, and I know there must be. I know there are more women than that." And so um, we all said, "Oh, you know, well something must be done about this. And what could we do? And what could we do that?" we could just launch ourselves and wouldn't cost money, wouldn't take too much time because obviously we'd be doing it for free on the side of everything else that we're doing. And so we thought Twitter, and that's how it started. And we just thought one at a time, doesn't seem like a massive project, but cumulatively, you know, we, we can talk about
0: a lot of women. So the three of you are friends, obviously, but you're also writers, poets and teachers – which I assume is how you got to know each other, Tanya. Um, I've met you before. We've
3: broadcast on the BBC before. Um, you know, tell me about what compelled you to work together, the three of you. Well, basically, when on that day when Elsa was telling us about the calendar, we all kind of whipped. The three of us were whipped into this frenzy of like frustration and rage. And because we all knew each other, and because writing I- is our thing. Um, that's, that's why we decided to do it. For me, it's very interesting because I'm the one of the three of us who was never particularly interested in history. I'm the science nerd and I would have a particular face I would make whenever anyone would talk about history because I, from what I remember from school, it just didn't engage me at all. I didn't understand it. Um, I would just memorize dates, but I I left school with a very, very poor grasp of any kind of history at all so I wasn't really sure how I would take to this project but obviously my field is science and history of science and scientists throughout history that's one of the things I focus on but it's also our whole project has opened my eyes and if I had you know known about any of the women that we feature in a history class at school that could have changed my whole outlook. Definitely I've
0: been amazed with some of the stories from fields that I know, and I haven't heard of the women. Can I ask you, Jo, what was your mission at the start of the project? You know, was it a collective mission, or was there something you particularly wanted to do with it?
1: The mission changed and deepened as time went on, because we all have our different backgrounds. Mine is in archaeology, before I became a professional writer. And so it was no surprise to me that there were these injustices in history. But the crossness that Ailsa has spoken of, began to characterise more and more what we were doing as we realised that these injustices are not just in terms of omitting women from history, but the very way in which we all describe women in history. We speak, all of us, we, we catch ourselves speaking about female mm-hmm. scientists or female archaeologists come to that. They're just scientists. They're just archaeologists. The ways that women are written about... Mm-hmm. On Wikipedia, for instance, where a man is said to have done something, a woman is reputed to have done something, a woman may have done something, it is said that she may have done something. Um, and so these small ways that we describe women's actions, which are kind of embedded in our language, and we realised that gradually, gradually, incrementally, we can put one woman back into history every day of the year and I should add by the way that there are 366 women not 365 so if your yes. birthday is on February the 29th there will still be a woman for you. Yes we wanted to get as many in,
0: in as possible. And so how do you research on this day She so you know Tanya you've got your background in science, Joe in archaeology, what's your background um, what do you add to the mix Ailsa? So I started off um,
2: studying English literature. So a literary historian and um, my master's was in medieval studies and then my PhD was in 20th century literature and politics and history, um, more specifically the 1930s. So what do I bring to the mix? A a great passion for history and an intense frustration because a lot of the things that we talk about in the sense of women being not only recognised in their own time, but even if they were recognised in their own time, they're not remembered Mm. or then remembered and then forgotten again, is the stuff that I was learning about when I did um, feminist literary theory um, in the 1980s when I was an undergraduate. Mm. And I find it incredibly frustrating that we're still having these conversations now 30 years later when my daughter is at university that we're still talking about women being silenced women being forgotten so um maybe i bring anger to the project i don't (laughs) know (laughs) but um yeah and just a passion for history and i just i just love i just love learning about these women (laughs) rage i bring rage to the project (laughs) it is (laughs) me And and I think, yeah, also because when we first started it, there was a tiny little bit of me, and I'm ashamed to admit this now, but, you know, that's okay, um, that I thought, oh, are we, how, how are we going to find 365 women who we really can celebrate? You know, and, and I've studied history, and I knew there were a load of, certainly, writers who'd been forgotten. And just the volume, just the number of women that every day I come across somebody or somebody says, oh, have you heard of so-and-so? And And then
0: when I'm looking into her, I find four other women. How do you research it? Now, obviously, you know, you have the things you do outside on this day, she as well. You know, is it a case of lots of internet research or, you know, what what are your sources for uh, what you do? And I mean,
3: I you use your different specialities to help you. With your research? I think that, well, for me, certainly anyway, it's really taught me how to use the internet and how limited Google is and how you have to find ways to find the things you're looking for. So for me, I've learned to do very deep internet searches on Google. We very often start, and um, I think I can speak for all three of us, we are very often start with a Wikipedia page, if there is one, and increasingly there are more, which is wonderful. And then we use that as a jumping off point to dive deeper because One very important part um, from the beginning of the Twitter account has been to try and find a day or at very least a month in which the woman herself did something that was important to her, not just the day that she was born or died, as you mentioned Jude in the intro. Very difficult to find a day because of the problem of women having having not been recorded in history and anything, you know, pre-1980s is not very easy, but there are certain ways you, if you certain combinations of words you can Google search with a date, you can search within books on Google as well and I often find days in there within a book about a particular woman, but it requires a, a real deep dive and if we're able, we also do use books. Ailsa, for example, has a very great collection of books in her fantastic feminist themed study that she uses. Obviously we're more limited now. And we're also very limited in terms of the fact that we're mostly just English speakers. And so especially you find, for example, if you try and read a Wikipedia page about a woman, which Google has nicely translated for you from another language into English, the default is the male pronoun. So that's great. As
1: we've been looking at uh, different women and the injustices done to them, we've had to look at other kinds of injustice. So For instance, we've realised that we need to look much more at African histories or at the histories of nations which Britain colonised because many of the most extraordinary women are women who resisted colonisation or are women whose lives are documented kind of in folklore or on the edges of myth because that's where many pre-literate or non-literate mm. societies keep their histories. So, for instance, we've got um, a mori woman whose history was not well documented in the accepted sense, but she was a part of the myth and legend of New Zealand. That's fantastic to
0: just find these stories that you know, may not be in the general history books and the history modules. You know, it does feel like we're at a time in history where that is expanding and the realisation of all the hidden or willingly concealed histories are being allowed to come out and obviously projects like yours help with that. I'm also interested um, in that you don't just want to paint women as you know, heroic, daring and inspirational. You also want to include women who deserve to be put back in history for darker and less inspirational reasons, just as what happens with men, obviously. Um, can you tell me, your, um, tell me why you decided to do that? Are there any particular women that you're pleased that you covered? If you could tell me about that, Ailsa. Yes, so we wanted to do that because
2: we want to represent the viewpoint, as it were, that women are human beings. Um, Somebody once described feminism, didn't they, as the radical notion that women are human beings. Yes, And and so, of course, within being human, that's, you know, yeah, doing heroic stuff and doing inspirational stuff and all the things that we know, know humans are capable of in that way. But also you know doing the terrible stuff and being the dictator or the serial killer or supporting some terrible regime you know we we're, we're really excited about um the fact that there are more histories of of women coming out now or more stories you know even in children's books stories for children to read about about women in history but naturally because of because they're kids stories they veer away from from the darker side of things, yes. and we yeah we thought that was really important to
3: include. I was going to jump in here with the Danish serial killer Dagmar Overby, for example. I, I think ailsa was going to mention one of the female doct- Nazi doctors, whose whose name also escapes me now because the book is too large for to flick through. <laughs> if we mentioning them. Um, Dagmar Overby, who's in our book on March the 3rd, which was on the day she was sentenced to death for killing nine children, including her own daughter. And I just wanted to say that whenever we tweet about women like this, we invariably get the response. Well, I'm not mm. celebrating her. And we have to say again and again, we're not celebrating her. We're a history account and we're putting her back into history so it's sort of a constant battle that we're having we've come up with our responses now on twitter but it'll be very interesting to see what responses we get to those women in the book for example we also have um a mother daughter team of italian poisoners oh yes and they would sell they would sell poisons to women who wanted to swiftly dispatch their husbands because they didn't have any other method of ending their marriage i should say they went down very well on twitter <laughs>
1: one of the most interesting um kinds of sexism that we've encountered is the sort of internalized sexism that we do expect women's history to be uplifting and inspiring and you know we don't expect that of history history is not there as a sort of moral tale of only the good people and nobody ever says in a history of world war ii how dare you include hitler he's not very uplifting it's not <laughs> the responsibility of women to be the sort of uh, light relief in the history books you know and and it's so that's why it says on the cover mm-hmm. of our book putting women back into history one day at a time it's not this is important to understand i think it's not that they weren't there ails has mentioned that we kind of expected to be working pretty hard to find these women. We expected, if we're honest, that we would sometimes have to spin a bit or, I think, to to uh, big up the part that women have played. And in fact, this uh, constant indignation has been fueled by the realisation that sometimes women have been very well known for many decades or centuries after their death. And then gradually they get inched out in later years. It's the 18th century, the Enlightenment, and the Victorian period when we start to see the women who were previously known in history being pushed out to the sidelines more and more. Um, and so, you know, we read about uh, Anthony Trollope as a novelist, but we forget that his mother, Frances Trollope, was a very prolific novelist. We read about Hypatia, the fantastic, we would call her a scientist nowadays, and mathematician of the classical period. Uh, and when she's shown in Victorian or Enlightenment illustrations, she's always got her kit off. You know, she's always half naked. This immensely important scholar is always sexualized. She's always shown as um, having her breasts out and draped mm. lightly in um, in some sort of diaphanous veil. Um, and you don't really see that when you when you see um, Archimedes I want to know what your favourites are now I um,
0: obviously when I got the book I went straight to my birthday which is the 29th of April um, and I you know, anywhere you go in this book, you open a page and there's a fascinating story. And there was the story of Sislin Faye Allen, the first black policewoman in the UK, our first black police officer who was was female, started her job nine days after Enoch Powell gave his rivers of blood speech as a bobby on the beat in Croydon. You know, her story is amazing. She ended up going back to Jamaica to work in the police over there. What are your favourites? Do you have any personal favourites that you're really glad you got into the book? Oh, oh gosh, so many. Um, so some I was really glad
2: I got in because they were already kind of heroines of mine, like the medieval author Christine de Pizan or the writer Naomi Mitchison, because she was in my PhD and it was lovely to her kind to of feel like I was spreading the word about her a little bit. But some of the ones I loved were just women who'd combined, who, whose lives were so full. You know, so Louisa Garrett Anderson and her partner mm. Flora Murray, who set up a, a World War One hospital in London, and saw that as part of a wider project for getting women the vote. You know, their whole work was showing what women could do. And there were circus strong women who had the same focus. You know, that they, they um, campaigned for the suffrage and they said, you know, we show every day that we're as strong as men. So why can't we have the vote? You know, so one of the things I think that we tried to do in the book is show each of these women as a person. So not just saying she discovered this, she patented that, but she did this, you know, maybe in some ways she wasn't very likable, but she was also had a great sense of humor or she did this adventurous thing and to try and give a sense of a life and not just of an achievement.
0: Mm.
3: How about you, Tanya? I firstly wanted to say that um, the way Elsa talked just now, when you ask us for one favourite, it's almost impossible for us to just talk about one woman. And I'm frantically <laughs> leaping through the book, and I love, well done, Elsa, for slipping so many in there. <laughs> so um, I have to tell you, for me, it's mostly the scientists. And I have to tell you about Johanna Westerdick. Johanna Westerdick, um, who was the first female professor in the Netherlands. And when you hear something like that, that she was a professor of plant pathology and mycology, which is funguses, you might think, oh, no, not that's not very thrilling. But then you also find out that Johanna Westerdick was quite the party animal. Um, and her motto was a dull and monotonous life even kills a fungus. And she had this slogan above her lab door, um, which read <laughs> for fine minds, the art is to mix work and parties and i'm like I, I like that attitude, and I think that goes some way to counteracting that stereotype of the scientist that you know that we see everywhere and I wanted to mention as well i won 't mention the other thousand women I'd like to mention, but um I was thinking as well, so much of our mission is that idea that if you can 't see it, you can't be it and i've I studied math and physics at university, and i don't believe that a single woman was ever mentioned throughout my whole degree course. None of my lecturers were women. And for for 30 years, I've been just laughing and saying, oh, I was very bad at the maths and physics. And I only realised last week when we did our first book event that perhaps I might have actually tried a bit harder if I'd imagined that someone who looked like me, who was like me, could actually be a physicist. So I think this is something that we're, that is part of our mission, to show everyone that women can and have and do do everything, and so, so can you. How about you, Joe? It's
1: a really mean question, and um, it, it, it does bring to mind each of our specialities, but also that, um, that experience of finding out the many, many ways in which people have been marginalised. And the one that I usually think of as, when people say, who's your favourite, is Grazide de who who is a French peasant woman, of the 14th century and we only know about her because um, on the 19th of August 1321 she was testifying to the Inquisition who were asking her about the Cathar heresy in the south of France and in the course of her testimony she talks about her sex life she says yes I, I did have sex with the priest repeatedly but only when my husband was out and he said it was fine <laughs> um, and so we get things like that. Um, those voices are not recorded in history as a rule at all. Um, And and so to hear the verbatim testimony of a medieval peasant is fantastic. But I also have a soft spot for those people from other cultures and other ways of looking at the world. So I'm going to say this because I've been practicing her name for so long. It's Chiichish, who was uh, a Native American chief, And as in many cases with women's history, her name means, oh, look, a woman is doing this. Her name means woman chief. And very often the names that we receive for women just mean woman chief or woman priest or, oh, isn't this surprising? And she was a two-spirit person of the Crow tribe. The Crow, they have at least four genders. And so she was a two-spirit person. She lived in the way that a man generally would have and dressed in the way that a man generally would have. She had four wives And she rose to be the third chief in the 160-strong council of chiefs. So she was a really important chief in her own right. But in order for that to happen, she had to live in a slightly different sort of paradigm of what's possible. Uh, And so she represents all kinds of marginalisation and vivid living. And you get all these... um different role models and ideas of which to live
0: your life I find through this book that sounds like a particularly uh, particularly good one in some respects now one thing I love about the book as well is how you know very famous women sit next to lesser known ones so in February for example we've got Florence Nightingale um, and Mary Wollstonecraft and in the middle we've got Eileen Collins who's the first woman to pilot a space shuttle in 1995 now I'm a space nerd And I'm embarrassed to say I'd never heard of her. It made me think about how when Tim Peake went to the International Space Station, everybody said he was the first British astronaut to do such a thing. And everyone forgot about Helen Sharman, who was on MIR in 1991. Why do women still get forgotten, do you think?
1: That happens a lot. Like when Andy Murray was asked uh, how it felt to be the first person to uh, win, was it an Olympic gold at tennis? And he said, well, apart from the Williams sisters, who have won four, uh, you know, it was, it was some immense trophy like that, that yeah. they had simply not been counted. They had simply not been counted. They aren't the most significant female tennis players of their generation. They are the world's best tennis players of their generation. They aren't the best black or the best women players. They're just the best. That descriptor female is often used to, to categorize someone who, who's just the best in the world. That
0: with um, I remember that with the Williams sisters, it was somebody who'd won a gold medal at the Olympics while being a Wimbledon champion as well, wasn't it? And uh, you know, you get more often now, it seems, men standing up and and addressing that and realizing that that is something that they have to do as well. You know, it's not just women's job to um, it's not just the job of women to uh, redress the balance, so to speak.
1: Yes, hallelujah! One of the things that has made us most pleased is that we have uh, male readers who are saying, you know, I must buy this book for my son. I must buy this book for my daughter, of course, but I must buy this book for my son. And that there are men supporting us increasingly. And it's really important. This is not women's history. This is history with women put back in. It is everyone's history. So, how
0: does social media, has obviously been the engine through which you've made this work you know which is fantastic when we know that social media can be a very difficult toxic place for women you know how does social media help to
3: raise up women's voices today and how can it continue to do that well well firstly um we can see the reach that we can have through the on this day she account we've got over twenty-seven thousand followers which is fantastic so that's something we've seen and um Every single time that we tweet, someone says, why isn't there a film made about this woman? Why have I never heard of her? Um, but also something I noticed today, which I thought was pertinent, and I wanted to mention it, is Manchester City Council was calling for people to have their say on statues and monuments in Manchester. And they tweeted about this and I retweeted this and I said, this is a great uh, opportunity to suggest more statues of women, because, as far as I know we 've got emmeline Pankhurst and and Queen Victoria in manchester, and that 's it and so, in terms of why women have been forgotten, there aren 't enough statues, there aren 't enough monuments, there aren 't enough roads named after women, buildings named after women so Twitter can is definitely an amazing, and social media in general is an amazing tool. To try and get people engaged, to try and get, um, it in the most positive sense of social media, to try and raise awareness and hear from people who are making suggestions. And for example, as well, the novelist Kate Moss launched, um, two weeks ago, a new campaign called Woman in History, where she's calling for people to use that hashtag and to recommend their most, their favorite woman from history. So that is also fantastic. There's so many different ways to come at it. And also, it's such a lovely, positive thing to be doing now to counteract so much um which is not very heart, heartwarming that goes on on social media
0: finally i'm keen to know what your plans are for on this day she in the future ailsa um from your initial moment of rage to now has been quite uh quite the journey hasn't it you know what are your plans for it going forward um well we always joke
2: and say you know will domination but um <laughs> Yeah, oh, I think there are loads of things that we'd love to do. I think what's, what's so fantastic for me is seeing the way in which we've kind of become a conduit for history being much more kind of out there and part of a general conversation and not an academic subject. Um, And and raising that awareness. I mean, we're part I I see as as, as part of a collective project. You know, there are there are other other Twitter accounts and great podcasts, you know, bringing women, putting women back into history and talking about other histories that have been forgotten, you know, whether black history or working class history. So I see us as part of that kind of collective in a way. And I hope that continues to gather momentum and also to bring into the conversation the way that, you know, if we think of history as something that's in a university or in a book or in a library, these women will be forgotten again, you know, Mm -hmm. because the way that most of us absorb history is not through that. You know, we don't study history at university, so we might get a bit of it at school, but then we get it through films, you know, and is the film that's made about the second world war about the men on the beach at Dunkirk or is it about what women were doing? Is it about, is a First World War film about how women were surviving in the East End of London? Yes, I just hope that it will continue. And, you know, yeah, maybe another book at some time would be great
0: or, yeah, I hope that it will just inspire lots of other projects. Fantastic. I can see a children's series. I can see, uh, oh, you know, we should have um, five minutes a day on BBC iPlayer or something with a different story. It'd be so Fantastic. Thanks so much, um, all of you. Um, thanks, Ailsa, Joe, and Tanya for joining me in the bunker today. Thank you for having us. You're very welcome. Just to remind you all, on this day sheet, putting women back into history one day at a time uh, is out now, um, published by John Blake, by Jo Bell, Tanya Hirschman and Ailsa Holland. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, and just to remind you, there's a new Bunker Daily every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, plus the brand new panel show on Tuesdays. So please do subscribe. And if you want to support the show, search Patreon Bunker Podcast. Make a small contribution and you'll get lovely merchandise plus early editions of the podcast and lots more too. Thanks for listening again, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll see you next time. The Bunker Daily was presented by Jude Rogers. The producer was Andrew Harrison. The assistant producers were Jacob Archbold and Jan Sofranievich. Audio production was by me, Alex Reese. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker Daily is a
1: Podmasters production.